Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for March 21st, 2021, the fifth Sunday in Lent. Uh, and we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you today? I am good. I'm excited. I have a new Bible. Ooh. So in church nerd land, this is like, woohoo, I'm using it for the first time. <laughs> I like is it, it is does it come with an updated translation or is this like same yes. translation or oh oh okay well well technically it's the translation was authorized a number of years ago the new revised standard version <clears throat> mm-hmm. but the footnotes and historical notes and other apparatus like that that are in a good study bible are all updated awesome. and as more understandings have come into scholarship since the original uh, New Revised Standard Version, they'll have lots of um, footnotes and such on that as well. And a little, or it could be translated this way. Hmm. Awesome. So, yeah, so it's kind of like getting a new car. Yeah. Well, uh, it, that, and it's, it's super helpful because I ask those kinds of questions a lot. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, that's the fun thing about being an Episcopalian. We're supposed to. Right, exactly. So I, I, I'd like to think that you got that that new Bible because of me. Don't don't <laughs> tell me the truth. I just like to think it. So uh, sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, March. But just oh, for those keeping score at home, mm-hmm. it is the fifth edition, the fully revised and expanded, the new Oxford annotated Bible. Excellent. The NRSV 5th edition. Yeah. Interesting. And I th- think I was going, I think my last one was, I think I've skipped one edition. So I feel like I'm, whoa. Yeah, you're way. This is really up to date. This Bible is of- like <laughs> CarPlay in it. <laughs> Listen to that engine <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, Six speeds. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's got a, you know, a moon roof and everything. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Whereas the old one had that obsolete T-top structure. Right. <laughs> Always leaks. <laughs> it was the worst. I mean, it got the job done, but, you know, yeah. come on. <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah, uh, so March 21st, um, th- this, uh, it, not that it made any, any super big difference to the podcast, but uh, this is like, we we've completed a full year of of quarantine, not just po- podcast quarantine, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, worship service uh, quarantine, and um, uh, it 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 appears as though, knock on wood, fingers crossed, all things uh, going the right direction. Uh, we're gonna try in person church on Palm Sunday. Is this a thing? <laughs> Is this for yes. real? This, are this, we with all of the little what ifs that you you sort of referred to? Uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. and be, it will be inside the the um, thing that the variable that I'm going to say over and over is we have to have all the windows open. Mm, okay, so bring your puffy jacket, your seat warmer your blanket whatever it is if if indeed it's like a day of winter rather than spring mm-hmm. um the nice thing is because basically we we could have we were we went back and forth between worshiping outside and inside and in spring there are just so many sunday morning thunderstorms in our experience yeah and that's a no-no for yeah. Uh, being outside that we decided it was better to meet inside with all the windows open which is the only way we can do it and know that we can meet um, mm-hmm. rather than be outside and risk canceling every other week yeah yeah that's yeah it's 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 so 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 it's still windows open masked uh distanced masked socially distanced <clears throat> um communion only in the form of the bread uh, no mm-hmm. wine yet. Right, right, right. Uh, no, no uh, congregational singing. That'll be a hard one. Yeah. Um, 
limit of about 55 people in the sanctuary and another 55 people in the parish hall with mm -hmm. the video and audio live streamed back to the parish hall. Um, so we can seat about the number that we would seat during an average Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, Palm Sunday, Easter, maybe different, uh, maybe a little more of a challenge. Um, yeah. But we'll we'll have a hard cap of 110. We're not going to do any kind of reservation system because in checking with my clergy colleagues, um, they're just a headache. They mm -hmm. crash and burn and uh, mislead people and all that. Um, and it's, again, unlikely that we'll really have that many people charging the door. Both because not everyone feels comfortable doing so, and that's perfectly fine. The Episcopal right. Church does right. not have a ethic of you got to be in church or you go to hell. And <laughs> right, uh, got to be there. Got to see the whites uh, of your eyes, or it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be spring break for a lot of the schools around. Oh, sure. Yeah. So they'll they'll push down the attendance too, right. um, even on a regular um, springtime. So. Um, it, it should all work fine and mm -hmm. it is a work in progress. So we'll ask for lots of patience and understanding, but yeah. we'll get to be together. Yeah. That's no, exciting. No shaking hands. That'll be nope. the no shaking hard hands part. and no, uh, no donuts. I assume. Yeah. No donuts. No either. donuts or coffee. church. No coffee no and refreshments. <clears throat> People can go outside and chat all they want. It's much safer outside to do that with mask and right. You know, arm's length, two mm -hmm. arm's length. Mm -hmm. um, so we we'll certainly will encourage that. But, yeah, it will be without a warm beverage in your hand. Yeah, that is unfortunate. And unless you uh, unless you have a completely self-contained container you're bringing in with you uh, as, as per normal. Well, even, even that we really don't want to have happen oh, okay. inside. Okay. That's good to know. That's taking down the mask. That, is true. that is true. I won't... We won't have a, a verger with what's literally called still a mace going around <laughs> knocking those out of people's hands, even though that would be a great outtake, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would. That would. <laughs> and I should definitely add, we'll be live streaming over yep. the internet mm -hmm. the 10 o'clock service. So yep. the, the watch party type of activities will switch from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. So we're doing, we're doing 10 o'clock only. Or are we doing we're eight having, and ten? We're having worship at eight and ten. Eight and we're ten. Live okay. We're live streaming only ten. <clears throat> Sounds good. Uh, and then the I, I think the only other thing that I would add for myself, uh, just because, hey, look, we're 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 uh, we're in, we're a church. We're a not for profit, and our uh, internet at the church is um, serviceable. I guess is the good word that I could use to say it's not, it's not fantastic. Uh, so it's, it's uh, not professional level. Exactly. And uh, so one thing that I will be doing uh, for that live broadcast, if you come in person church, there will be no Wi-Fi. You'll have to use your own data on your cell phone plan uh, because uh, uh, I have to shut everything off in order to get enough juice uh, to uh, pump out the broadcast uh, onto the internet. So uh that will be that will be a thing that we do. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, regretfully, yeah. Uh, but hey, uh, if, if that's something that's important to you, let us know. We'd be more than happy to talk to somebody to see if there's something that we could do to get better internet. Because uh, we, a little known fact uh, that uh, not for profits uh, get treated as businesses, and so we get just as price gouged as uh, yes. a. <laughs> A you know hundred person office Ma building, yeah, uh, major corporation, yeah. yeah. So we do not get a you don't get a discount price. Uh, the 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 individuals living in their homes are actually the ones who get the you're getting the good internet price. So consider that when you pay that astronomical bill next time. That's the good price. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so yeah, lots of yeah, lots of exciting things, especially for. Uh, the upcoming uh, season of, of, uh, of Easter, God willing, and everything um, uh, going to plan, uh, we'll get to see um, 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 some actual service in person again. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll also do Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, as well as the Easter Day services, mm -hmm. live and in person. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so yeah. go to go to holyfamilyfishers.org to see those service times. And you can see how to connect if you're going to be experiencing them from home or watching later when they're um, pre when they have been recorded and put on YouTube. Right. 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 Yeah. The 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 nice thing about broadcasting live is it saves it. Uh, so you can once it's done, you can go back in and and uh, watch it all over again. So. Uh, yeah. as many times as you like uh watch watch early watch often um that's right <laughs> so um i think that's i think that's a, a enough plug <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for the week uh so i'm going to go over to our person of the day who has a fairly sizable entry here on the dictionary um so I don't know if that means anything as far as whether or not the name will um, spark a memory, but your person today, Bruce, should you choose to accept it, is W. Norman Pittenger. Hmm. Got a blank. <laughs> I mean, there's absolutely not a single spark flying. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite okay. He was uh, born in 1905, died in 1997. Uh, uh, He was born in New Jersey. Um, He received his STB from General Theological Seminary in 1936 and was ordained that year um, uh, as a deacon and then became a priest the next year. Uh, he began teaching at General Seminary while still a student in 1935, which I thought sounded pretty impressive. Um, and or also remember, it was in the midst of the Great Depression, so he may not be able to afford someone who was professionally trained yet. And that's true. Uh, uh, he did. He taught, uh, uh, and I, I have all sorts of questions about this. He taught apologetics at General okay. Seminary until his retirement uh-huh. in 1966. Uh, but he's a leading process theologian. Um, there's like accolades and accolades and accolades. Uh, but the the long and short of it is he has a wide array of books that he has he'd written. Um, uh, he was a lecturer. He um, wrote a, a, <clears throat> a lot. His his uh, uh, he wrote in 1959 the Incarnate Word. Uh, oh, okay. Which has been counted. I've, I've... Okay. I've read that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, he was influenced by the theology of uh, William Port- uh, Porcher de Bossy. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, it says here at the at, at near near the tail end, he had a special interest in human sexuality and was supported of, supportive of gay and lesbian Christians, um, uh, which uh, certainly was a. Uh, um, a little bit of an, an unusual for hers for, th- for the time the, the the time that he um, was teaching yeah yeah was teaching so um but yeah uh, um um it, which is one of the reasons why I, I i had picked picked him was because uh that's kind of led into a, a little bit of the um uh, wider acceptance concept that the episcopal church holds yeah uh, so yeah um, a lot of a lot of the his thought processes have are kind of mirror or, or have been adopted uh, um, uh, similarly. So, um, but yeah, uh, Pittenger, and then he died in England. Born in Jersey, died in England. He moved up. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, uh, W. Norman Pittenger. Lots. Well, of- wait a minute. Did did it? Was he born in Jersey or New Jersey? Sorry, New Jersey. Okay, just to make sure my slam was accurate. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Bogota, New Jersey. New Jersey. Uh, Since there is born. a Jersey in England, I thought, well, wait a minute, maybe he went home. Oh, no, no, okay. no, no. He was okay. born in New Jersey. Yes, yeah. sorry. Yes, definitely. Uh, he was, um, yeah, There, like I said, I skipped over a bunch of his little oh, accolades yeah. as far as like, he was this from 1948 to 1949 and this to this. and um, But a professor, a theologian, an author, he has a... Uh, um, uh, he, he, he produced an extensive bibliography at one point. Um, just, just, uh, 
lots of things that he did that makes me feel lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he's. He, it's one of those entries that you're like, man, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> what, what have I done? If if someone were to write mine, uh, how sad and small would my entry be next to W. Norman Pittenger? You're ruining it for the rest of us. <laughs> You're working too hard. Uh. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting in many ways. This is thoroughly inconsequential to most people, but he's um, the 20th century was in so many ways the high point for theological education hmm. in the United States. There were all sorts of great minds that were able to work full time in seminaries teaching people who were seeking ordination and publishing um, wonderful books and articles and things. And before that, in the 1900s, it, and since then, in part because of the economics of education, mm -hmm. the, the seminaries had been and now kind of reverting to trade schools. Mm. And there's a... Pr presumption in part because today the student body's much older than it used to be it's in their often in their um mid-30s or older there's a presumption that you already have the ability to think and think theologically and all you need is a toolbox to go and lead a parish and i don't think that's accurate frankly mm -hmm. but again that who cares <laughs> what i think <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd but like to think. I'd like to think, in some small part, we do. Thank even you. even if we, even if it's to simply be dismissive immediately thereafter. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, that's just. Bruce. Oh, look! There's a cartoon on now. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what Bruce thinks. Who cares? Yeah. And and so in the 20th century, the seminaries of the Episcopal Church and other traditions as well really were wonderful places of inquiry and learning and discernment mm -hmm. and investigation and fantastic um, efforts at really thinking through and expanding on various aspects of spirituality and Christianity. Mm. Um, and so he was, he was definitely part of that um, era and now a seminary professor often is not full-time and doesn't have time to write much and publishers aren't that interested in publishing such hmm. books they're um a friend of mine who is very wise and an extremely good writer but had never been published the um made a, a genuine contact with a publisher is through a friend who had been published and the publisher's first representative's first question was, how many followers do you have on social media? Hmm. It wasn't, what are you writing about? It wasn't, what's your thesis of your book? It's instead, do you have customers already? And they were honest. They said, if, if you don't have, I forget what the figure is, above a certain number of social media followers, we're not interested. We can't make money off that. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that kind of tells you where theological education as a advocation and a profession is sitting right now. Hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, depressing. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, re real quick, I did want to ask about uh, what is this uh, uh, apologetics? Uh, tell me, tell me what that is. It just sounds like you a class to learn how to apologize. What is it? Yeah, that's the parish training. <laughs> no, it's a Greek term that basically, basically a, a direct translation would be, how do you explain this? Oh, okay. Okay. So it's how do you, and, and the shorthand, um, it's now shorthand for how do you explain Christianity to the rest of the world? Yeah. Okay. I could probably use the class on that. <laughs> that's, that's it's complicated enough that i think uh yeah yeah i could i could i could probably benefit from yeah something. and i could see why that would be a class good good work in that area is enough that you know you you read three pages and then your eyes are bleeding because it's so intense <laughs> and 
come back the next day and try to read three more, Mm. uh, which I think is a good exercise. I I don't, I'm not putting it down at all. Mm. And it led, um, and apologetics have been around um, since before the Renaissance. And in the 20th century, it in part led to what it was mentioned in what you read, um, the field of process theology, which mm-hmm. is a, a subset of apologetics in which it has as a construct that God is, God, to put it really simply, everything's in process. Hmm. as opposed to a very traditional apologetics in which you're trying to figure out the eternal truths that are unchangeable. Deep thoughts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that and would I, be that would be a pretty pretty extensive class then. That would be uh there there'd be a lot to cover there. Yeah. And uh and I'm like most Christians, if we really sit down and think about it, we're we're about halfway between those two. Uh, not most Christians, most Episcopalians. Mm-hmm. That we understand that life is changing and therefore God's responses to what happens on earth are going to shift through time. Um, but I'm a little less convinced that God is changing as much as some process theologians um, say God is changing. Mm. so uh look forward to this uh look forward to us broadcasting this debate uh at some point in time then let's, and let's see if we can find a, a somebody to to challenge you on that a process theologian oh that well yeah it might be hard to find a process theologian these days it really peaked in the 1970s that's when there okay. were whole the both colleges and seminaries um overturned their theology departments to catch that wave um and now it's kind of um bell bot like bell bottoms and polyester (laughs) yep waiting for its comeback you mean (laughs) yep and yeah yeah and there are forms of it that come back and that people think they've come up with something new and us gray beards say "Eh, it's process theology (laughs) (laughs) We've seen that before. Yeah. This is old news. <laughs> you want me to tell tell you how it ends? Oh, no spoiler alerts. Okay, go for it. <laughs> well, speaking of old news, I shouldn't say that because that makes it sound like it's outdated. But the Old Testament news that we're going to read uh, today, let's move over to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Um, just a little bit about the, the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this, uh, this book of the Old Testament. It's... Uh comes after isaiah it's it's both, pretty long <laughs> both in time and in order of on the bible in the bible coincidentally almost yes okay okay <laughs> so often the the um that does not occur but yes in this case you go you go through isaiah and then you pick up on jeremiah and it's kind of picking up um right where isaiah let left off in terms of history okay um and it's a it's a fascinating book. It's very long. Basically, the f- first half or so is very is poetic, mm-hmm. and then the second half is prose. Um, so there's some debate about does that reflect different authorship, but mm, don't don't really know. Um, and it's concerned with that time that we've talked a lot about in um, 2020 because of the various uh, scriptures assigned of Israel being taken captive and into exile Mm -hmm. and then having hesitation about returning 
Hmm. And so Jeremiah is picking up on that theme of, yeah, you really should go back. God is, that's, that's an accurate direction from God, even though you're hesitating. Hmm. Hmm. And Jeremiah tends to be, frankly, a lot more depressing than Isaiah. He has a lot more lamentation, a lot more um, life is really stinky right now versus than Isaiah does. Hmm. Um, but he also has some really nice ones like we have today. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's definitely not the feel, I think, of this of this uh, reading. Um, and specifically, I'm thinking of the way that it ends here, uh, where it talks about remembering their sin no more causes me to think of the passage of where he's t- uh, and I, I can't remember when it was, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Shoot, it might have been last week. Uh, but talking about no, it wasn't last week. Um talking about how god will remember the the sin for like the third and fourth generation and you had pointed out that that actually is like an indication of right his, his level of mercy yeah <clears throat> uh because you usually if there was like a, a curse uh, on that uh, on the heads of your ancestors it would be eternal um right it was so it was indicating that god was a forgiving god and then so here in 34 uh, this is kind of Jeremiah saying, like, here, here's where it ends. Here's it. it, it the the your your sin is the sin is not going to be re- remembered anymore. I don't know if that's necessarily yeah. a direct line to the sin of the third and fourth generation kind of a thing. But oh uh, yeah, it's a okay. direct reference to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I I got the imagery I was supposed to get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey. Um. But yeah, so this is all, you know, hey, a new, look, a new covenant. I do like the little side jab he throws in there. He's like, you know, it's not going to be like the covenant with your ancestors. The one that your ancestors broke, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I will have you know. Um, uh, So, so yeah, so this is, and this is not the, the, the first time or the last time a, a covenant is, is, going to be structured it doesn't go into great detail as to what this covenant is it just kind of foretells a new one right yeah the we'll get more in the within the hebrew scriptures we'll get more of what that new covenant looks like Mm -hmm. um as we get into what are called the latter prophets the the prophets that follow jeremiah but it's one of the interesting things here is often Christians will grab onto that new covenant mm-hmm. and say, that's us. That's mm. Christians. And, you know, of course, this is hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And right. it's not a prophecy of what's going to happen in the future as much of hundreds of years away. It's instead, you know, next year when you're back in Jerusalem. Right, 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 right. This is a lot more immediate. I mean, well, yeah. how, how, you know. How typical of us Christians to think that they're yeah. talking about us. <laughs> oh, yeah, we sort of talking about me. <laughs> we we sort of photobomb every verse we can. <laughs> right, 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 right. Look, I'm in front. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> That's not the way. Yeah. And the uh, other interesting thing here, um, and I, I like I that phrase, by the way. I like that phrase, photobomb every verse. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I should put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were Which saying... Which is the, the current level of publishing and theological well, Right, yeah. Well, as long as you have enough followers, I think you can do it. Um, yeah. yeah, all my followers are on Interstate 465. There you go. Uh, there you go. There you go. Um, where, it, where in Hebrew, it's... It says the new covenant. It can also be translated the renewed covenant. Hmm. Okay. And you know, I, I frankly wish that's how we were translating it, because that's truly the spirit of it, the of the passage. And I think it would, might prevent the quoting out of context that so often happens. I, I think that's a good point because I, I, I think moreover uh, it does that would demonstrate how um, at least we I, I believe we understand uh, God's covenant with us uh, to actually be because it, it's not so much that 
you know, there's like a hard cutoff one day and God's like, nope, nope, that doesn't matter anymore. The new right. thing is, you know, the new fashion <laughs> in in uh, um, uh, spiritual uh, worship of your 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 God and deity is this. Uh, and and let's all start going this route. It's really never that. It's usually turning points in history where he's like to commemorate this. We're renewing you yeah. know, th this this promise, this covenant between us. And, and here's the new sign or here's, you know. Yeah, in this case, it's, yeah, you haven't gotten to live in the promised land that you had occupied um, for a couple, couple generations. But mm -hmm. no, you, you will get to go back. It is worth making the journey. The My promises to you and your promises to me will be renewed. Uh, you know, it's it's supposed to be in that spirit of, of conversation between God and the human race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot more, it, uh, it would better be served. I think, I think you're right with the, the word renewed, that would make a lot more sense. Um, anything else about, I mean, this is pretty short and sweet, uh, four verses. Um, anything else about this, uh, passage? Um, Okay, here I'm. I, as you were talking, I wasn't listening. <laughs> With both totally, ears. totally normal. <laughs> um, so because I whipped so. out my Jewish study Bible, uh -huh. to because I wanted to see if they used new or renewed. They they do translate it new, um, but they give a very nice little explanation here. According to this passage, it is not the content of the new covenant which will be different but rather how it is learned. Mm. Which does reflect um, both on the rest of these verses. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Uh, but also that, process, that imagery continues through Jeremiah. Yeah, but I, and I suppose that would also be the, you know, the, the original covenant being referred to is you know the covenant that that God promises that He's going to deliver uh, the, the the Israelites out of Egypt into their own land, mm -hmm. uh, and that didn't quite work out uh, the way as originally intended for various reasons. And well, uh, mostly... it, it did it did work for hundreds of years. Yeah, but they got law like they they wandered before they got there. Oh, right? oh, well, they didn't get the covenant until they were wandering. Oh, oh, okay. So this, so the 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 uh, it, I'm I'm mixing it up then. So the so the covenant wasn't like to get them out of the land of Egypt. The covenant was while they were wandering. Yeah. To get in. Okay. Okay. Um. But the new covenant is kind of like learned through the return to this land. So not the, the story, I, I guess the, the, my point being is like the way the story will be told from here on out is what Jeremiah is saying uh, will be in the context of your coming home and will, yeah. and, and, and that's how this generation will connect with this covenant. But there's one, there, there's one much more important fact and that's the, it will be, um, I want to just make sure I'm quoting it just right. So that rather than having, oh, I will write it on their hearts and I will be mm -hmm. their God and they shall be my people. It's a much more intimate individual covenant than the first covenant, which was very communal. Mm. And you could almost delegate covenant fulfillment to your religious functionaries to the priests and others oh okay okay and basically in jeremiah we have god saying richer. well that didn't work <laughs> <laughs> and not and gonna so, point any fingers and not to point any fingers here in verse 32 as to why but mm. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and and in verse 32 it's not an intellectual image that's the issue it's an emotional image 
mm-hmm. that I was their husband. Um, and, and so the new covenant is really one of emotional connection with God by mm. every individual as well as by the people as a whole. And, and even, and in that way, it's a forerunner of, for the most part, Christian theology around what is our relationship with God. Okay. Okay. And I think it has something to do with, in the Middle Eastern culture at this point, the importance of an individual was being lifted up. That you are no longer simply a member of a tribe and relatively faceless in that, but instead hmm. you you actually had individual standing and worth so much so that you are a, a personally you are a covenant holder with God, and that's being a covenant holder is a huge thing. That's yeah. a very high status. Interesting. So that you say okay, I I I, I that that kind of enriches this passage a, a lot more because it really yeah if, if it's it, it's it's saying like I, it, my covenant's not just with the house of israel and the house right. of judah it's with you yep pete i'm talking to you pete yes <laughs> <laughs> and joanne wait, and all what? the rest yeah wait me <laughs> yeah that's so. exactly that's exactly how you can picture the audience of jeremiah hmm that would be uh, almost terrifying, right? I mean, yeah, uh, um, it would be almost easier to be like, "Oh yeah, that's our God." Uh, I I don't have to, you know. It, it's like we're like we shoulder the burden of the relationship together collectively as a group of people. <laughs> it's not just it's not just on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the image just popped in my mind is so many comedians have had this joke in their stand up routines about calling home from college or whatever. Their dad answers the phone and they say, hi, how's the weather? Good. Here, talk to your mother. That that's yeah. sort of the how the relationship with God had degenerated to the point where way too many people of Israel were saying, oh, talk to your mother and handing the spiritual phone to the religious functionaries. Yeah, to the priests and, and, yeah. and scribes. And Who that. are making the sacrifices for them and that sort of thing. Huh. Huh. And, and, and that would require a, a, a big correctional change. So that, yeah. that makes some sense. Makes Whereas sense. the, and part of it is the, the, the lens through which many people of Jeremiah's age were looking through towards the time of the new covenant, the time of the journey from Egypt to what would become Israel to Cana. That time was the time of the deepest intimacy between individuals and God, that mm. they could literally look up and see the pillar of flame. Mm. That is like, right. well, you know, how can you, you know, God can't be more present than in flame and manna and water every day, no matter where you were. Even though there's another train of thought also found in the Hebrew scriptures that it was the worst time in terms of human disobedience because they kept huh. complaining about the manna and how hot it was and that they were wandering way too long. Hmm. Um, and, and so those are truly contrasting images and interpretations of that time. But part of this Jeremiah passage, I believe, is that that was... You know, when you receive the first covenant, we were all in love with each other. And mm-hmm. it was the honeymoon. And that relationship cooled. So now we're going to renew our covenant. Hmm. Hmm. A, a, a re-expressing of vows. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, particularly in the Bible and in... Certainly Episcopal theology, many other Christian corners as well. Um, uh, marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. That's an interesting point. That's a very interesting point. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 through 10, and get the New Testament perspective here. Um, 
This reads, So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, was, was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one uh, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, Hebrews, I'm trying to remember if this is Pauline or not. I believe it is. No. No? No? Okay. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. It, I should, it, it, the, the, the lack of run-on sentences should have clued <laughs> me in. I, yeah, I'm embarrassed. It, it's cons- and it's not even a letter. Okay. Uh, that it, it's actually a sermon. Oh, and that's one of the ways that even the earliest Christians who had started to write uh, write commentaries and stuff said, "No, this was not by Paul, but it's worth keeping." Mm. It's a very you know it's they were, it's a very good sermon, and it should be read aloud in the assembly and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but there's ex- actually, except in more modern times, has there been any kind of belief that uh, Paul had anything to do with it? Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, some of this doesn't, isn't striking any memory chords with me. Uh, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, I'm not, in, I, I don't remember this being a phrase being said. Is that from something that I should know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you should know, but yeah, it's, from the Hebrew scriptures when they were setting up the um, the religious functionaries as we were talking about a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. So it wasn't necessarily said of Christ in... No. No. Like, express... Okay, that's what I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of, like, was this expressly said in, like, a gospel reading somewhere that I don't remember? Or... Um, so this is just tying uh, Christ himself to the 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 old the the, the old the long-standing priestly order right okay okay it, not not necessarily referencing a bible story that i was having a brain fog on um so it it does but, have the sense that that the temple priesthood, which by the time this letter was written, was gone. The temple had been destroyed about 60. This letter, most people date at around 95 um, or 100 in our current counting in um, AD. And so the temple was long gone. The priesthood no longer existed. They had Mm -hmm. switched, Judaism had switched to a system of rabbis instead of um, scribes and priests and scribes. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it's so it's not at all controversial that the author of um, Hebrews is repurposing the imagery of priesthood for the Christian community because mm-hmm. because it had been cast aside um, by the Jewish community and yeah because they didn't have a temple anymore and that's what what priests were for right right um and that the um and what he's quoting is a a psalm that describes that priesthood oh okay okay um i'm just trying to i'm trying to wrap my head around this this passage because i i can't put my finger on it but something strikes me as odd about it and i'm just i'm trying to figure out what it is that's throwing me off kilter uh, about the passage and I and I, I'm just not coming up with anything is there uh, I'm gonna make you talk <laughs> <laughs> and see if it like jostles something loose or it because I can't I can't put anything more on it other than there like as I as I read that there was something that I was just kind of like 
made my head tilt sideways just a little. I'm like, no, oh, that's odd. And I don't, it wasn't anything that I can point to right now. So, well, it, <laughs> it, I, th- I think part of it is that it's one of the most recent writings in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have a great flow to it. I mean, Paul, for all his lack of punctuation, you, there was a, a, a certain type of writing style mm-hmm. that once you got into it, it was once you get into it, it's easier to both read out loud and to make sense of. Whereas this is much more choppy. And, um, you know, it's almost like, okay, he's saving parchment here by leaving out uh, the connecting stuff. And he's just sort of throwing down these concepts. Mm, Okay. But that may not be what's bothering you at all. (laughs) No, you know, actually, that actually did help. uh, Because as you were saying that, the the choppiness, I was going back through and rereading verse 7. And and I knew it was somewhere around here that I had that feeling. Um, The way that verse 7 is worded, like, I I guess I'm struggling to figure out what the point is. Uh, is it, that is that he's trying to be conveyed here. So it, it, verse 7, uh, for those who don't have the Bible open in front of them, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. The He offers up prayers and supplication, cries and to the one who can save him from death, and all that this author says is like, and he was heard. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he was killed. <laughs> like, what's your, what was your point, author? <laughs> what do you, what's the point you're trying to make here? <laughs> like, like, yeah, his dad heard him. <laughs> and then kept driving. Right. Yeah. And, and 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 I I I mean I guess he does go on. He says that he learned obedience through what he suffered. But it was just it's just kind of there was something off kilter about the way that that phrase that that verse flows that just caused me to be like I'm what 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 was, what was your point in reminding me that he cried and prayed and supplicated <laughs> to to the one person you know to the one entity who could save him and that those cries were heard. And that was like, you almost make it sound awful, like yeah. intentionally awful of God. Like I, something about that just strikes me weird. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> it's, it's completely understandable that probably almost every Christian who has um, biblical or in a sense biographical for lack of better term knowledge of jesus would assume this was the garden of gethsemane being referenced that yeah yeah it kind of invokes that imagery yeah just before jesus is arrested um but it's not necessarily that Mm -hmm. and in part because of the references to high priest that it could and i think makes more sense if we think of it as the intercessor, which is was the function of the high priest in the mm. time of the temple. So Jesus is not praying for himself. He is praying for other people. He's praying for the sick who have asked for healing. He is praying for the folks that are possessed by demons. And in the miracle stories, we see that Jesus is heard by God. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're supposed to be thinking of. Um, and it, it's a description of prayer that probably the first hearers of this sermon would have related to, uh, because mm-hmm. within the Jewish tradition, there there were intercessors who would be kind of showy. <laughs> okay, okay. And so yeah. he's... So the author is pulling in the high priest making the sacrifices and prayers in the temple, the um, intercessors who don't have any titles, but who pray for people. 
he's giving Jesus all of these attributes and behaviors mm -hmm. uh, because he's the ultimate in those functions. Okay. And, and and I think the other thing is for me is, and maybe it's just in the way that this is translated, but some of the, the, the language here in, uh, in verse nine also maybe kind of, the, the wording seems to almost imply that he was, he's clearly designated, uh, uh, which is what he says, like up at the top of the, talking about him being a priest, and although he was a son, uh, capital S, um, um, you know, so there, there's like this designation, but the language of having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Um, it, it almost makes it sounds like he earned yeah that's the level that he's getting to rather than a, a kind of a preordained kind of a, a mindset or you know pre-existing yeah 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 and and that's it's good that you hesitate over that because um that's one of the reasons hebrews is seen as a sketchy letter oh okay that certainly paul would not have written this this theology and certainly it doesn't appear in the gospels which are supposed to be our primary source for theology mm -hmm. um, but they're they're through the centuries and through to this day there's all sorts of little strings and sometimes even major movements where the belief is that jesus was born almost a blank slate and on, and did kind of earn the status that made him suitable for crucifixion hmm um, but again, that, that's a heresy. I forget the name of it. Um, Shoot, and, maybe we, maybe we cover yeah. it in one of our, <laughs> <laughs> probably actually stump the priest sections. Um, I did love my heresies. <laughs> it might be adoptionism, but, um, okay. but anyway, you get the point that it's, it's the string of thought that Jesus was such, Jesus worked really hard at becoming, the savior of the world and God honored right. that by having it work out that way instead of the John gospel of John theology that is the ultimate Christology that Jesus was part of the Godhead from the very beginning of creation and mm -hmm. when it became when the time was right Jesus was born into human history and changed the world yet again right yeah, that's a yeah, it definitely a, a a a wide distinction because I think uh, the 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 idea if it is adoptionism uh, that that idea basically implies like, and if you just worked really hard, right. you too could be Christ. Yeah, and maybe lots of other people have tried in the centuries before. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And if they, had they just wanted it a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. They had a little more Gatorade. They would have been right, would have right, made it. right. If you'd just have been a little bit more humble, uh, you know, we could have had, uh, we we could have had uh, John Christ um, <laughs> instead. You know, so, but oh well, I guess we won't. Um, well, let's. I, I I said John because I'm looking at John. Let's move on to John. Yeah, John chapter twelve, verse twenty through thirty three. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida and Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. I'm sorry, I should say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. 
and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Um, so this is a, you definitely feel like this is, this is essentially like a, a, a TV serial cliffhanger for right. next week. Like this is the, the tune in next week to find out <laughs> yep. what happens to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's the intent. Yeah. <laughs> Bethany's laughing over there. I think I got her with that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it definitely it, a very well chosen um, <laughs> reading for this week, considering Palm Sunday is next week and uh, the, the following week. And, and uh, um, this is, uh, this is like uh, the, the narratively, this is the, the, uh, the gathering moment where they decide to go on. We're, we're going to go on this mission. We're going to, we're, you know, we're going to do the thing and you're going to have a, uh, like a, a series finale four or five parter. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll set um, out a block of time. You'll need it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, 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 it is funny the way that John writes though. Uh, I'm struck by the way that he like adds things that just, they're, they're narratively, almost ir- irrelevant or seemingly irrelevant and but like it just kind of speaks to how uh how this is like a a a remembrance a little bit of 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 the actual events like th- this this game of telephone that gets recorded yeah. you know oh they came to philip and philip went to andrew and andrew and philip went and told jesus and like what i mean did we need did we need to know that Andrew got involved and uh, well there, and obviously people um, have interpreted this in all sorts of ways my my favorite is that because because John does not have a lot of post resurrection input or mm-hmm. descriptions that this is his way of saying this is how it's going to look when all you Christians go out on your missionary tasks. Hmm. Okay. That, that so-and-so will tell so-and-so will tell so-and-so will tell so-and-so and there's Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess it, it does also uh, kind of uh, show uh, that while the average Joe may not have gotten to converse with Jesus directly that the thoughts and requests did still make their way. You know what I mean? So yeah. they, they, you know, uh, Jesus essentially heard uh, these Greeks that were there at the festival. Uh, it didn't get a chance to talk to him directly, but uh, this is like narratively like, you know, your questions were, were, were heard, were submitted, were, you know, and while Jesus didn't write you a letter, uh, he gave you a voice from, <laughs> from heaven. Uh, <laughs> well, but it's as almost always happens in John, the questions, the question or request is not given. That's true. That That's Jesus, true. Tw- Jesus and God take the opportunity to do something completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and much better than anyone asked for. You know, these, yeah. the, 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 the way this is worded is it's, it really is like there are these tourists from out of town, these Greeks, mm-hmm. and it, this is in the midst of the um, huge Passover festival. And mm-hmm. so it is a happening. People come from all over to experience it and have the, enjoy the special foods and um, rituals and things. And so here are these tourists, they aren't even Jewish, who want to get a selfie with Jesus. Right. And right. instead, they hear the voice of God. It's like, uh, <laughs> time true, for these Greeks. True. But, you know, it, it, Jesus still does kind of address their request there at the end. Um, um, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. So it's, you know, hey, Greeks, you wanted a selfie with me everybody's getting a selfie. <laughs> well, but 
okay, but flash forward. And, and incidentally, this, this does take place on Palm Sunday. He's had his, in okay. the Gospel of John, he's just had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, the Greeks are saying, we want to see Jesus. We want to get the selfie. We want to ask him some philosophical questions like Greeks do. And what ends up happening is Jesus is publicly crucified. And you can picture the Greeks saying, this isn't what we asked for. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, we really want a conversation, not this. And that's, again, part of the missionary teaching for Christians is you won't be able to necessarily give everyone what they want, but you to paraphrase the rolling zones you might be able to give them what they actually need yeah get them what they give them what they need i, I like this idea of like uh, uh the greeks trying to schedule time uh yeah to 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 meet with jesus and philip and andrew are like oh see it says here in the calendar he's overcoming sin right and death at, this, <laughs> at that point in time can we reschedule until after the resurrection <laughs> How does uh, five days from now sound? <laughs> how, does, how, does, uh, how does a week and a half go? Look, you know, look, look for you. you. You know the road to Emmaus? <laughs> right, right, right. You might have better if, luck there in a few days. If, 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 if we meet at one o'clock. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, 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 so you, you're absolutely right in that, that it's, not, it's not giving... Uh, people what they want it's giving people what they need which is a you know uh, shoot a, a reoccurring theme not throughout the bible but throughout history right um but uh um but yeah it's it, it's uh it, it it's kind of it it's interesting also that it john puts in here that like um little little nuances of basically saying like some people didn't hear it they just kind of brushed it off and was like yeah that's that was nothing. That was thunder. And other people were like, oh, it was an angel. And it was still others, a voice of God. You know what I mean? So it, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting that the, the author points like some people got it. Some people don't. Um, throughout the, the writings of the gospel, some people didn't figure it out until later. Um, you know, that, oh, that's what he was talking about. Right. Didn't realize till he died on the cross. Like, oh, that's what Jesus was saying. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that um, and really in all four gospels that that's also an underlying theme is that none of this is really going to make sense until after the resurrection. Right. Right, because how could it? Yeah. How 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 could you make sense ahead of pre predetermined sense on something that you have no comparison and and no way of knowing or understanding um what's going to happen or the, the the mere possibility of it. So, um, yeah, it kind of, it, it makes some sense. Um, who's the, um, it doesn't say it with like a capital R, but who's the ruler of this world? Or is that just kind of a, a, a translation style there? It, it's actually a, a good translation and to be, you know, I'll be completely transparent. Many Christians interpret that to mean Satan, but a lot of a lot of um, others think that this was John's way of referring to the Romans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That again, the John, the Gospel of John, re- is written at a time when the Romans had started to kill Christians, and so there are many times where Romans in the other Gospels are referred to, but the identities change in the Gospel of John, so that the Romans are not being directly attacked uh, mm-hmm. verbally. And here's one of those cases where there's um, a circumlocution, as they used to say in seminary, of mm-hmm. you can't quite say what you mean, but wink, wink, y'all know what it means. And in the time of the Gospel of John first being circulated, it would have been, oh, yeah, the Romans. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 and and one would one would assume that there would be a fair amount of the, that kind of hidden language, as it were. Yeah, because um, if you were caught with a document that said that the time of the Romans is passing, yeah, you would have been run through on the spot. Yeah, you would have. You, yeah, you would have fallen to a similar fate. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, very good. Anything else about this passage from John before we wrap up? 
um, the voice from heaven. This is essentially the transfiguration moment that takes place in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is how John mm. does it. Okay. Okay. So and rather so, than Moses and Elijah appearing, I yeah. don't know, you just get the voice from heaven. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Jesus is much, Jesus is much more connected with God in some ways, much more explicitly one with the Godhead in John mm -hmm. than in the other three gospels. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, very good. Well, th with that, I think we'll close out this yeah. your podcast for the fifth Sunday in Lent, March 21st, 2021. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, please feel free to join us. Uh, fingers crossed for the last time uh, with a Facebook 9 a.m. watch party. Um, we have we'll have our um, we'll have a done a full year of like prepackaged church services yeah uh, this 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 sunday um so uh and then like i said fingers crossed everything goes correctly both uh in the world and <laughs> and at our at our little parish um uh will it will be the last time that you will have a, a one of those prepackaged services uh fingers crossed we'll have in person or live broadcast um um from 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 here on out at least that's that's the hope yeah. <laughs> that that uh, we start clawing our way back to some some sense of normalcy. Um, uh, but uh, until then, uh, yeah, we'll have our our, um, our our video still on HFAC videos. Uh, that'll be the case uh, whether we uh, have un unfortunate setbacks on COVID numbers and have to go back to prepackaged uh, church services, or if we're you know from here on out doing. The live broadcast will be found on that channel but a 9 a.m watch party on sunday um anything else from you bruce uh take a look at all the different lenten activities that are continuing we still have some great yep. walks and talks and everything else happening sounds good very good well and with that uh we will uh look forward to uh, talking to you next week and at that point in time i'll still be ben and i'll still be bruce <laughs> and we'll talk to you later <laughs> Bye bye, bye, -bye.